The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. What if I told you that it was estimated that 4% of the world's population played a single sport? What if that sport had just started gaining momentum in the United States? Would you be interested? Apple certainly is. Today we are talking about football. We talk the United, the World Cup, and the insane valuations that these sports are generating here in the U.S. Our guest is Matt Stigall, who helped bring MLS to Atlanta with a simple petition. Well, the petition may have been simple, but the journey was not. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men Podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Madman with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Madman, Trip Job and Nick Constantino of uh, 680 The Fan and the Atlanta Braves Radio Network, which is uh, appropriate today as we uh, continue our theme on uh, not only marketing, but uh, you know we've talked a little bit at times about how um, sports sports entertainment and all ties in and uh, so many you know wonderful opportunities to uh for businesses to look at uh using sports in their overall marketing plan so uh excited uh i know you've got a great guest for us today to uh to dive into those topics yeah we do indeed and and we're gonna leave my comfort zone i will say growing up uh I grew up in Queens and there was all concrete. Soccer was not something that was easy to be played on concrete. Uh, so I was, or football, if we will. Yeah. I was not the biggest proponent. Uh, I did have an immigrant family from Italy, so it was a passion point in my family, um, but just not something I completely got behind. Um, but since we moved, since I moved to Atlanta and really started getting involved and watching the World Cup, it's something that I've gotten more passionate about. So we're going to talk a lot about soccer. Um, you know, we're in that season right now. Everything's about to get started You're again. You're even wearing your Atlanta United jersey. I, I represent, <laughs> man. Hey, represent. It, it's, it, one, one of the things that I think is really important is it represents the uh, population of Atlanta really well, right? It's such a diverse population. I always say it's Georgia State, not Georgia. If you look at the population base of Georgia State, it's much more representative of who Atlanta is. Um, but anyway, so um, we're about to get the season started. You have baseball, spring training. All these things are happening. All the seasons are about to start. Atlanta United, believe it or not, started already. I mean, the season is that long in February. That season started, and they won, which is a good thing. Um, but, but, you know, when we talk about sports and soccer, we're going to talk about the valuations. We're going to talk about how to market the right way. But we're also going to get into some details of, you know, how does a team – get a startup in a city like Atlanta. How does that process happen? So I'm excited about it. Um, we're going to introduce here uh, Matt Stigall, uh, the owner of Growth Factor Agency. Uh, Matt's been very involved in the United um, and, and several other things with, with soccer. Um, but, but Matt, why don't you introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about how you got where you are? Yeah, so uh, I have basically grown up in the Atlanta area, and I'm a diehard Atlanta sports fan with every team, uh, including Georgia Tech. I like to point out that Georgia's not an Atlanta team. Uh, or UGA at least, and so uh, you know Georgia Tech is that home team for me, um, and yeah, so really passionate. And I actually grew up not liking soccer, and then gave it a chance. Uh, golly, about 15, 20 years ago now, and now yes, I mean soccer is probably one of my biggest passion as far as sports, and uh, you know, and yeah, it's it's been quite an experience. And uh, even when, when I was a Georgia Tech student, I worked for the football team there. Uh, got to travel the team, all of that. So it's been uh, sports have been a very big part of my life, 
Uh, I mean, almost visited every baseball stadium in the country. Uh, there's a whole checklist I can go to, but I don't want to spend too much time going sure. through it. But yeah. sports is definitely one of my biggest passions, and I look to bring that into a lot of other parts of my life. Yeah, that's no. great. And what you told me was about how that connects to marketing. And that, that's yep. another passion is mag. The other passion is marketing, which is why this is such a good conversation. So, uh, talk a little bit about that. Talk about you know how that how marketing ties into that, uh, which will explain the com- your company, uh, and then we can kind of get into some of the nitty gritty about uh, the sports and soccer in general. Yeah, and so uh, the one thing that always drove me to sports was passion, the passion of the fans, passion of players who literally spend all of their time trying to hone their craft to be the best they can be at their sport. And um, that passion, I realized, can also, is a parallel into marketing. And in growth marketing, so much of marketing is focused on like getting new customers, retaining those customers, and kind of that churn and burn, that flow. And um, you know, it, it kind of gets exhausting. And what's usually lost in that is finding your most passionate customers, your, your fans. Yep. And so figuring out who your best customers are, why are they your best customers? Uh, and in figuring out like, okay, you've got 10 to start with. How do we grow that to be 50, 100? You know, what does that mean to your business? How dependent are you? Yeah, I would and, say best um, customers and best target customers. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and it's kind of a uniquely different conversation than just going after a new, you know, a new customer or something like that. So it, it kind of... I've learned that kind of flips. And when, when I look at, you know, for instance, in soccer, you've got the supporter section. And I've always noticed that as you get farther away from the supporter section, the passion of the fans kind of starts to drop the yeah. farther away you are. Now, depending on the game, right? That, right? It also, so the passion right. of the fans for the games that matter less is even more amplified. The further right. you go away from exactly. the supporter group, for the games that matter, usually everybody stands up, everyone goes nuts. That right. passion is contagious. But, uh, right, February, game one, I mean, you can know who's yeah. the fan and who's not. not. Yep. Right, and, and I want to come back to that, but for a minute, um, you know, Nick kind of said something early on, and we think about it, we think about the NFL, we think about uh, Major League Baseball, and I think a lot of business owners think, well, look, unless I'm a major, you know, Fortune 1000 company, I can't get involved. And I think, uh, you know, whether it's Atlanta United, whether there's, you know, being here in Atlanta, you know, you've got lacrosse, you've got, um, you know, many other different options. And I think that's one of the neat things that uh, sports does offer. And really where you're going, Matt, is understanding who your customers are and who your targets and I think there are ways to look at different sports that might fit for a lot of businesses that can't afford to be a Falcons, yep. you know, advertiser or a, a Braves advertiser. Yeah, we got rugby. I think there's even a cricket team that's about to start yep. here in Atlanta. Uh, you mentioned lacrosse. We still have the, you know, Gwinnett Gladiators up in um, Gwinnett. There's a polo team that plays, you know, two miles from here. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, there's the, all these passions. And you go to some of these games and you realize, like, okay, I am completely – I don't say ignorant, but they're just like completely yeah. unknown. Yeah, of we have the golf sport. tournaments. We got yeah. tennis tournaments. But that's a really good thing. I mean, let's not really even mention pickleball. Let's not even mention why the Budweiser yeah. pickleball league or, or yeah, any, any of those. Great, you know, the, the one thing that ties it all together, and you talked about fans, and I think what's so important, brand. The Atlanta Braves are as synonymous of a brand as there is, right? The Atlanta United, the way they stormed in here, I mean, they are the number two most valuable team. They've existed for five years. They built a brand. And one of the things about building those fans is much easier to build fans when you are an established brand. It is much easier to be an established brand when you do market the right way. So all these things kind of come full circle. And I think that is the one thing in sports marketing. It's not just how do you market within sports. It's how do you apply the principles of how these teams market. 
social media followings. And look, some do them better than others. One of the things I find fascinating, you know, say what you will about the soccer stars globally, they have the biggest social media followings in yeah. the world, and it's not even close. So they have done a better job at attracting a younger audience. So it's it's really important to, to say that brand, how important that brand is. Yeah, and I, I would say successful brands. And it did, successful doesn't always mean winning, but it's one that you know what you're going to get. You know, you've got um, investment from the top, and, and I'll, I'll turn to someone like the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, that's an established brand, right? But if you're in Pittsburgh, you know, how many businesses want to support – you know, the pirates after the last 20 years. Well, right. And so yeah, it's only businesses that are in Pittsburgh that need to showcase it. Exactly. But I mean, there's, I think there's a piece of it where you want to really be established with someone who, uh, whether the new brand or an older brand that understands their customer base and can really, you know, get that passion, not one that is on a yo-yo one year, they're doing, you know, a lot of things the next year, they're, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. When it comes to sports, it's all about hope. You know, you're not going to spend your, and I mean, as I've aged, I've realized time is my most valuable asset. Yeah. And so when it comes to, as we mentioned, Georgia Tech, I was the biggest Georgia Tech fan as we kind of <laughs> struggled over the years. I mean, the, one of the most dangerous things is I've kind of become apathetic to a lot of our games, you know, like yeah. if, whether it's basketball or football. You and everyone else. Some, right. Sometimes <laughs> I don't even know the game's on, you know, and, and like I'm sitting there, I'm like, I used to, you know, travel to all the away games. And right. now it's like, oh, a game popped up. Wow. You know, and it's, it's kind of sad at the end of the day. And, and hopefully, you know, as hope comes back and with new coaches and, uh, you know, and, and, and new hope, you start seeing a little bit of that lifeblood come back. Yeah, we talked about that in our Georgia Tech episode. And I think one of the th problems there is that there's so much else going on with the school that that's not the primary thing, which is another reason why you don't want to get lost. You don't want to get too clever with what you're well, doing. It is still about winning. And the Georgia Tech <clears throat> brand is about – Exactly. Academics. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. So guess what? You, but you don't want to get too lost, right? I think people are starting to get really clever right now, right? Like, Welcome to Wrexham is a great example, yeah. right? What are they famous for? Are they famous for being a soccer team or the fact that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney bought the team and now are doing a show? You talk about F Formula One. Yeah, Formula One's huge, but it wasn't until the Netflix show got to America that that sport became big. Yeah. So what is the staying power of something that has those artificial kickers? So I think one of the things that people are going to run into, like you said, you got to win, man. It is still yeah. at its core. Sport is still you got to win. Right. I mean, you you look at the Cincinnati Bengals are my favorite example. One guy took them from the Bungles yep. to Super Bowls, and the fact that that is capable and Joe Burrow is just as cool as they come on earth. But the fact that 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 happened is what's so amazing about sports that anyone can turn something around. I saw the Milwaukee Bucks just sold their partial owner. They are worth $5 billion. That's worth more than the Denver Broncos from a team. How many people live in Milwaukee? 16 people live in Milwaukee. They have, they have, they have Miller Lite. And, and, and now all of a sudden, they're selling for billions of dollars more than the Broncos. I mean, that's, that is insane to think. And I think that unpredictability and that the, the spur of the moment, you know, it's, it was viral before viral is a thing, is what makes sports so great. And I think the Atlanta United did a really good job of sparking that. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, so so I do want to say just it's what's so amazing about sports and what's always driven me to sports is how quickly things can change, right? Yeah. That doesn't happen in the brand world. That does every once in a while. But, you know, Apple has been Apple for a long time. You don't get somebody that comes out of nowhere. TikTok is probably the most recent example of a company that just came out of nowhere. You don't have one or two people that come into a business that often and can change, immediately change the course of that business, but in sports, it it can happen. Yeah. Your product is dependent on a quarterback, or in yeah. basketball, especially a star player. Yeah. And um, if your success is dependent on 
the product like that, then yeah, it's going to go ebb and flow based off the talent on the field that you put on. That's yeah. a good point. What, what about soccer? So, you know, uh, you know, I saw Osef Martinez just sold his house here. I remember when they started, that was it. And then the fall from grace and how quickly he has disappeared. Is that a usual thing in soccer? Or is that is that this situation? Did he get hurt? Uh, what happened? Because that's, that's topical as of right now. Yeah, so you see a lot of player turnover in soccer. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, Atlanta United has had a little bit more in the last few years than typical. But it's... You know, basically any team is going to have a lot of that turnover. I mean, even Messi changed from Barcelona to PS uh, PSG or uh, yeah PSG, and uh, you know you've got you always have those big names, and you're shocked when somebody gets sold for a hundred million dollars. And oh man, you know, what happened with Ronaldo yeah. was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And, yeah, it's, and, it's and a they violated the contract. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And the amount of money being thrown at these people. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. You know, it's, they have they must have a strong union. I'll leave it at that. I don't know if they work that same way, but the yeah. amount of money these players are able to get. Uh, I don't know about the union, but a, a thing I want to get to when we come back from the break is supporters, both from yep. uh, how they operate and also how businesses can think about that. So uh, you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3, and we'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with Matt Stegall. And, you know, we were talking, um, got in a little bit about soccer and how the valuations and everything else is football. rising to football. Um, but, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit. I mean, it's still a young history. Give us a little background of uh, what happened uh, and how Atlanta United came to be. And uh, then I want, definitely want to dive into this whole supporters concept. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, I, I grew up really not liking the sport of soccer and I, I gave it a chance. But I realized I didn't really have a local team playing at the top level. Uh, and so I was, was like, all right, how do we get an MLS team? And I saw that in Philadelphia, um, the Sons of Ben kind of create a supporters group in the minds of having a supporters group before a team even existed. And I was like, all right, like if we actually sat there and showed that there is a fan base for the team, then everyone kind of knew Arthur Blank would be the you know eventual owner uh, years before. But I was like, all right, like maybe we can – accelerate the timeline a couple of years or something like that. I get that just a little bit earlier. And uh, so back in 2011, uh, we started the petition and it literally just involved showing up to, you know, high school soccer tournaments. Uh, you know, there, there was a couple Real of MLS. Grassroots, yeah, huh? oh, 100% grassroots, uh, beer festivals. We were, we love going to beer festivals. And we'd have watch parties for MLS Cup and stuff like that. And it really was just attracting the potential most passionate fans. Already years before we, you know, the team even existed. And, um, you know, we'd have maybe five people show up sometimes, 20 people show up sometimes. But then it started to just grow a little bit more and more. And, um, and I always remember in 2014 when they announced the team, um, you know, we were invited. They kind of, you know, like we had had meetings with them and, and they invited us to that announcement party. I, we looked down and there's a line around the block at like trying to get merchandise and trying to oh, sign wow. up for our, our supporters group. And that's that moment when I was like, oh, this is real. And, you know, and like I had always talked and like, you know, and like bragged about and, you know, there'd be people who sat there and said a soccer team in Atlanta would fail and I'd have to defend the city. And, you know, we're not that bad of a sports team and Thrasher's left because the owners, not the fans and just going through all of that. And um, eventually it was, yeah, it was, it was finally the validation that like, oh, this is real. This is going to happen. And uh, this is way bigger than than what any of us expected so and atlanta united was what number team when they came in I believe it was the 21st 21st and yeah. now 28 29 so started in 2017 
Okay. No, but now in the MLS, oh, yeah, there's yeah. now how many teams? Yeah, I believe it, we're right around 30. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're popping up everywhere. I Those know. licenses are going. Charlotte, I think, was the most recent, and they're popping up all Vegas over the place. St. Louis. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. That fan base exists, though. I mean, especially in these immigrant communities, you know, to, to whatever capacity where these are the primary sports, it exists everywhere. Whether it be a European, whether it be Latin American, I mean, most most of the world, this is the predominant, preeminent sport. Uh, probably with cricket being the next bastion of yep. Americans not or knowing. Or or something. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah. Well, you talked a little bit before um, about how some of the uh, teams are just Atlanta teams or other. How would you... Uh, you know, look at Atlanta United. What is it? Is it an Atlanta team? Is it a Georgia team? Uh, what, what, how would, would you think about it? So, I mean, originally it filled a void in the entire South. It was right. the first Southern um, MLS team. And um, so, but it their their core is Atlanta. And in the timing of it, right after the Atlanta Braves moved out of downtown to, you know, right up the block here. And, um, you know, so they kind of filled that void just at the perfect time. They played into the railroad grassroots, so, you know, history of, right. of Atlanta. And, uh, and yeah, and they connected with, the, with us, the passionate supporters, before the team. So, it, you know, and so that first game, you know, we already had kind of our chance set up. We already had kind of a little bit of a culture set up. And, uh, you know, we were rolling that first game. Yeah. And I think everyone who went to those Bobby Dodd games – I kind of wish we played a game or two every year at Bobby Dodd because that atmosphere was just yeah insane. smaller, more intimate. And yep. I remember, I mean, it, it when you drive around downtown, you know, not you know, we're talking downtown, downtown for our Alpharetta folks and our Milton folks yeah. who, who don't make it down there Me. often. When you're talking downtown, downtown. Those flags and those colors fly everywhere, sure. every neighborhood, East Atlanta. Um, you know that that is the predominant sport that you see people supporting. Um, so you know, I think it really did a good job of capitalizing on the foot traffic and the people that were downtown. And it was the first sport to really do that. I'm not saying the Hawks and the Falcons didn't. I'm just saying the nature of Atlanta has changed so much since oh. those teams have come that it was such a good representation of downtown. Mm. And I think that heart is what helped it go viral is it was the first truly for that Atlanta area and I'll venture to say I mean there are plenty of people when you leave Atlanta that are still immigrants and it fits the you know diverse in there uh, but that is Atlanta and that team did a good job of capitalizing on that all of my wife's friends Colombians Ecuadorians I mean they were sold on minute one and I think to add to that Atlanta is a transient city so sure. everyone moved here, they brought their NFL team here, their NBA team, their NHL. I remember going to Thrasher's games, and there'd be Thrasher's yeah. fans. But when the Detroit Red Wings came in, they put on their Detroit. Yeah, the Bruins sure. showed up. Yeah. So, so yeah. people would have like their hometown team as they brought, but they didn't have their hometown soccer team. And right. so that then enabled everyone in Atlanta, no matter where you were from initially, to then come together and be like, this is our team. And you yeah. can still be a fan of your country, because yep. that's important, right? Yep. Those countries, right. Well, that is there's... a sport that does a good job of breaking down between national pride and individual teams. So, you know, you're still rooting for Italy or the U.S., but you can still be that fan of the United who who brings all those people together. Yeah, and I, you know, I worked for a while for an Irish-based company, so um, there were a lot of, you know, U.K. expats. So that's how I got turned on to the Premier League. But, you know, everyone could still have their Premier League team and support Atlanta United. Yep. That was, I think, the beauty of it. Or yeah. their Italian team. Or their, right. And then that moment when, like, so I'm a Tottenham fan. And if Tottenham ever plays Atlanta United, I'm going to do whatever I get to, like, get, like, a split kit or something. Right. Yeah. You know, and just uh, that's the one time they might play each other. And, uh, you know, it would be. What would, the betting, awesome. what would the betting line be on that game? Uh, Plus six, <laughs> plus seven. For Tom, I, I just have to. I just have. To, I'm just asking out loud. I mean, again, one of the things we were talking about earlier is just the disparity between the best and the. You know, I can watch 
NBA. I could watch college. For some reason, sometimes I can even watch high school basketball because I'm shocked a high school kid can do is six yeah. foot nine and can do that. But the difference between, you know, France in the World Cup and like the Atlanta United in February is yeah. just so visible. I mean, it's and not, not if you're a casual fan because they're still doing the same things, yeah. but just the the ability to watch a guy go one on one and the way the team works in fluidity and congruent, it's unbelievable. And those guys don't play together that often, no. so it's amazing the instincts and, and just the, the difference in it. So um, you know, so talk about Terminus Legion. So that's an example. That's you know, that's the the, the supporter group. That's one of the big ones. Yep. You know, talk about the Gulch. Talk about game day. Talk about those supporter groups. How many there are and why that's different than most sports. Yeah, so I mean, I think what soccer does really great is it puts the most passionate fans in one area. And when you get that, you get a lot of that just organic, just just fever. And and then not only is it in that one area, it then winds up spreading throughout the entire stadium. And so if you have chants that are easy to know, easy to learn, easy to replicate, that's why the loudest ones are always like the ATL chant or just one side does Atlanta, the other side does United. It, 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 it's easier to spread that way and the next thing you know, you've got 70,000 people all doing the same chant. And I think, you know, here in Atlanta, I think one of the probably the reasons it did catch on with maybe the more common sports fan is there's a little connection to SEC football and the student section. Yep. All right. And so I think there was that piece yep. that probably helped some of the more casual viewers like, oh, yeah, cool. This is like going to a Saturday you and, know, game at, at, at the Grove or at uh, Between the Hedges. And to that point, you know, Maybe with soccer, you might go to the bar or the pub before the game. There is a tailgating culture with the with the supporters groups, but that then goes back to the tailgating culture of college football, where you know, are we watching a sport or you know, are we having drinks and then the sports kind of sometimes secondary to some right. you know to some people. So um, you definitely have a lot of those parallels there. Yeah. So is there an example of a business that maybe uh, or two that got in pretty early, understood the supporters section, and has really benefited? benefited from it from um the Atlanta United? I don't know as far as business but scarves. Okay. You know like like what like what is the purpose of scarves at the end of the day? And the, okay. I've got probably a hundred. In Atlanta yeah. especially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I haven't even put a winter jacket on, right. let alone a scarf. But every time a scarf comes out, like I'm buying one and I'm right. you know I'm trying to you know and so everyone's got their like scarf collection and then you sit there and you wear one and you're like this this isn't comfortable. Like this sucks. <laughs> I, I can give you a brand because I it's for someone we're really familiar with. So our buddies at Heaven Hill Brands, big liquor, one of the only family owned ones left. A lot yeah. of brands, but Luna Zul Tequila yeah. was one of the first big ones, and it is a very traditional blue agave tequila. It's really good, you know, but eighteen bucks a bottle. Like great, yeah. great tequila, great margarita tequila, and they one of the first ones, and they signed that deal originally when the season started, when no one knew anything about the team, and yeah. capitalized on the fact that they won. And now you see everywhere official of the Atlanta right. United, and the brand has grown exponentially. Atlanta is one of their top in the country, um, so they hitched their ride to the wagon at the exact right time. Um, so you know, one of the problems oh. is that all of a sudden after they win, those prices go up pretty quickly, and now all of a sudden they're making them do the deals in congruence with the. The, the Falcons, which makes it a little bit more complicated. Whenever the NFL right. gets involved, those prices and valuations go higher than you can imagine. But well, knowing the family and knowing the people of Heaven Hill, Luna Zool is one of the early, really, really big success stories yeah. of a brand that was little known that hitched that ride to United at the exact right time and have grown immensely and had seen some really good success from it. Well, and sometimes the other is proximity. So I uh, actually went uh, to the new Wild Leap um, facility right over the yards right there. And you know, this was a month ago before the season started, and they had already pretty much decked it out. And you can already see that is going to be one oh, of yeah. the pregame, postgame, you know, facilities. And so it took them a year, I think, to finally get in there. Um, but it's a case of all right, they may or may not be officially yeah. involved, but they are looking at how the supporters 
congregate, how often are they going to be there, and they're taking advantage of it. And I think you'll see whether or not I, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be successful. Oh, it was just like Elliott Street Pub. Yeah, but, you know, with proximity. I've you went to a there, game yes. before, yeah. after, or if you went there before, after a game, it was packed. Like, yeah. But the fire station was right there. It would have to like lay on its horn just to get by the people because oh. the people were all over the streets. So. Yeah. So I've heard a couple interesting. <laughs> let's approach this. A couple interesting things about the game day experience. Things I've heard just from the grapevine, uh, and then I want to talk about these team valuations because this has gotten out of control. Yeah. So one of the things I remember. This was early, but I went. I we had we, they used to give us some tickets to some games. I got to go to the first playoff game, sit in the pit under the stadium and everything. But I remember two things. One. Them saying that people at the games do not drink, eat anywhere near as much as they do at Falcons and, and games like that. The hospitality is almost non-existent, just in the way that the game day is. And I remember walking around to get a beer because I'm at a sporting event, and that's insane to not. And nobody drinks beer. Like the the guys or the people that were set up there to give them to you, like at a Falcons game, yeah. were begging me to stop and get a beer from them. And the Falcons alliance out the door. So. Do you think, and that, that is one of the reasons initially that it was hard to build the teams because of just the game day, they weren't spending as much money day of as the more predominant leagues. Has that changed a little bit? Uh, are there now these valuations as they go? Is that a reason these valuations have changed? Or is that just they sit the day and they're watching the entire game when they sit down? I mean, I think the valuations have changed just because it's a younger demographic. And so, you know, everyone's valuing future generations at this point. But, uh, you know, and the reason why also, though, that nobody drinks here in the game is you don't want to go there and miss the one goal that scored. And so yeah, there's no landing, timeouts. You right. can't you can't yeah. run in between innings and it, go get yeah. a beer, right? <laughs> there's got to be a healthy medium because like uh, a college football uh, game is too long. There's yeah. too many times to go get a beer. Yep. And in that instance, like I, as much as I love hanging in my seat for the next goal, like just being at a sporting event live without a beer in my hand feels so wrong. And I, I don't know what that says about me, but it just feels so wrong. So there's got to be a healthy medium there. Um, but you know. Let's talk about valuations because this is the this has just come out. Okay, so Trip, just random guess. Pretend you didn't know this. What what would you think the average major league soccer team is worth at this day and age right now? I mean, I, I would have to think it's just in the hundreds of millions. You know, average two fifty maybe. So there are now let's call it 20, thirty teams. Yeah, five hundred million dollars with no. teams. Some of them two three years old at most. Okay, the Atlanta United came out as I think the number two team behind the LA Galaxy, eight hundred million dollars. Yeah. For some context, there are professional big three sports, big four hockey sport. Oh, let's not even get into hockey, but baseball, football, and basketball teams that sold for less than that, yeah. less than ten years ago. And MLS is already worth that amount of money. Um, so the valuations have gone crazy. I don't think anybody that doesn't know the industry would be able to guess that, 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 those, that those guy have valuations. The TV deals are unique. Um, you know, one of the things I was always told, baseball's for completely for radio, football's completely for TV, soccer's completely for the internet. These are streaming kids that are streaming games. Well, that was well, that validated. Ex that explains the Apple deal. Which, that was validated. Yeah. So let's talk about the Apple deal. So, Matt, I'm curious what you think. It's not something I know enough to speak about. I know that they caught fire with uh, – we mentioned Ted Lasso, and I wonder if that has something to do with it. Oh, probably. But, yes. but, <laughs> I mean, and, and as I, I've watched every episode, I love the show. Um, but do you think this is good for both the casual fans and the ability to acquire new fans? Because my concern is – Apple TV is still very niche. And from what I've read, having really big problems with turnover because they just cannot make enough content because Apple doesn't do anything at a loss. They're trying to make a profit. And when you, you we know from streaming services, you've got to be ready to take a loss for a long time. So do you think this is going to benefit consumers that are that want to watch it, but also people who are want to find it for the first time in the discovery? What do you think is going to happen there? 
so I, I think you you brought up both points where the super fan I think it benefits. It's you know you got a lot more content, higher quality content. Uh, you'll be able to watch every game. I mean, it's like all inclusive now. Um, for the casual fan, and I, and I, I parallel it with the Braves on TBS, the Superstation yeah. back in the day. The Braves built a national fan base because they they were on national TV every game, and they benefit from that twenty years later. And uh, you know, and so that ease and accessibility for games, and and so like you know, I was up in Helen, Georgia, this past weekend trying to catch the game at a bar. We called five different bars and asked, "Hey, do you have Apple TV?" And none, none of them, them did. either. None of them. They didn't even know like how to hook it up. Uh, yeah. And so that right there was like, man, no, you're never going to have those people just at a bar and be like, "Oh, the Atlanta United game is on." Well, let's catch I, it. Look, and, right, they will. It'll be years of adoption and to figure this stuff out. Right, they yeah. will as most sports move over. As Thursday night football yeah, I mean, the as first Amazon time as Direct YouTube. TV came out, not all the bars had it, but it, within a year cycle they got it. They'll get it, but I can imagine the frustration yeah. uh, of that. Especially, and honestly, especially in a town like Helen, which is literally a European yeah. village, like it just makes yeah. sense to be watching a, a, a game up there. So, but, yes. you know, I think the other side is at least they still have the Fox deal, the FS1. So, I mean, you're going to pick up the, a the few games, games. Yep. you know, but, yeah, it, it, it is a transition period. And even, like, I know we're doing more and more streaming, but if anyone has tried to change one streaming game to another streaming game, it's a process. We're on TV, it's just like a click of the button, the return yeah. button. And until they fix that... It is literally they like and, and when it's mark you know they won't fix they won't fix it by the way right. because it's, it's going to all go to different providers and their whole sole job is to keep you there they yeah. want to make it so exactly. hard to leave Apple TV to go to something else because they want you just consuming 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 so they will not fix that right. it's going to be and, until these companies start consolidating and go through this or somebody comes up with a system that does it for you yep. the old TiVo model where you can kind of switch around things right. exactly uh, they are not going to make it easy for that to happen yeah, yeah. And, and that's the you know like with marketing we're all econs that's the whole behavioral economics thing oh. right and we're all subconscious to sit there and have to like consciously change the channel is is a conscious decision that we're losing with some of this streaming right um and the impact of that i do think it's in the long term it's really good just because of the financial yeah benefits of it and it's cloud yeah. yeah let's call it cloud i mean for, for apple to show that investment and in, in, i'm sure that helped the valuations by itself apple and coming in even if they get offered less money than fox Showed the advertisers a sense of this a is direction the direction of where this they is, want to go. Is, this is the future, which hey, I'm we'll, sure we'll was, subsidize it the first year and then look, you're the going to pay guys. off. It was yeah. part. Of, it was part of the equation. Yeah. I mean, right. it's not as important for the NFL when Amazon came in on Thursday night. But we knew that was going to happen. But if, for Apple to invest in Major League Soccer is like this is where this is going. And look, these people don't have they have strategies, okay. right? Yeah. And so let's talk about the strategy. So the World Cup is coming to the U.S. Oh yes, Atlanta has been named. My assumption is that if the World Cup was not coming to the U.S., that Apple deal would not have happened as quickly as it did. If this was 20 years down, the, who knows what would have happened. But because all of a sudden, this money-making opportunity has now presented itself for the hype behind it. So, two-part question. Before we even talk about Atlanta, does the U.S. have what it takes to actually make a run in 26? I was impressed this year, but it ended in the same BS we always see. Like, you can't win soccer matches by scoring zero goals or tying. It just does not work that way. Does this team, is it is this homestand going to be where the United States finally plants its flag and says we're here? Guess. Uh, I mean, there's always that chance, right? That's why we watch the game. That's a no. Uh, right. That's a, that's, a, that's a no. That's, that's I, no I, chance. I think, I think the reality of the no. answer is <laughs> there's a 17 or 18-year-old today that we don't know if they can become the next – 
you know, uh, Mape or someone like but, that. But they, they know those kids, though. That's why but, I well, asked. Those kids, usually those 17-year-olds are picked out at 11 years old that they're going to be that. They're going to be those superstars. Right. So I'm wondering, is that's that, is that hype machine, has that hype machine started yet? Yeah, are we, if, are we work? Because, look, the World Cup is as big of a thing as it is. I mean, in the U.S., I would probably venture to say March Madness is a bigger thing yeah. just because we're just so oh. fact fixated on it. But that being said... I could imagine Apple building plans, taking on these rights, knowing the World Cup was coming with some big plans around what we're going to do for the World Cup. So before we get to that, is the U.S. ready? And that's what I'm I'm always curious. That's why I watch because I'm waiting for that moment. Look, women's soccer figured out a long time ago. I'm waiting for that moment. And we're playing an uphill battle uh, when it comes to soccer. And I think one of those reasons is just the way we develop our, our, uh, our, our youth players. But you're also seeing, as you mentioned, the 17 or 18-year-olds, we're having a lot more... Uh, youth and teenagers being bought up by European or yeah. going through MLS yeah. academies that we haven't had in the past. Yeah. So there, and and our team this year was the youngest team in the World Cup. You know, and so you combine a lot of that. There, there's hope, and you know, yeah. in, in the sports world, that's what we want is hope. hope. And with, with home field advantage, I just want to get out of that. the first round of the knockout. I mean, I want to get. Yeah. Out, I just want to get to the second. Round. I just want to get to the second round of knockout. It, yeah. it's all, it's I, all, I, think, no, I don't I need that, a victory. I think the quarterfinals are real. I think quarterfinals are real. Morocco did it. Morocco did it. We could do it. That's all. So let's talk about in our last three minutes on this section. I want to hit going back to game day experience. I want to go for the businesses, and so I did a lot of entertaining, and and so there's other things you can't support, you can't advertise, you can't be a sponsor. But you can take customers oh, yeah. to events, and I mean, I've done I've done the road racing, I've done some unique things, of course, baseball, football. But I think some of the let's call them secondary sports to the big three. Um, I think there's some unique ways that you create these wonderful experiences. What are some things with um, uh, the Atlanta United and maybe some of the other you know uh, properties in Atlanta? That uh, can be great ways to, uh, you know, to have that game day experience for for customers. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it is you you have to be authentic. You have to you have to like buy in from the beginning. And if you have those passionate fans, you, there, there's a unique opportunity to, to connect with that passion uh, in those sports, in those little niches that you don't really have anywhere else. And that's where I think you know, again, rugby and a few of the other teams, alcohol is that like. Is always one of those sponsors, right? Yeah. And it's always, to your point, it might be a yeah. smaller brand or something, but that is the unique experience of like, look, if you're here to have a good time, let's you know, let's add that equipment. You know, right. But if I'm tactic. going, if I'm going in and taking four of my customers to a United game, is there? Do I want to be there five well, hours well, early? Yeah, the one spot? thing I'll say, I don't know if yeah. you've been there. There, they have suites. Right. that are built into the floor so you're almost at eye level with the stadium. Right. I've never seen that anywhere else. That's the, so, that's the experience so unique, I got to do. Unique I took people down there, and that is an otherworldly experience right. because, look, I mean, the field is big. There's not that much going on. in, a, in like You know, it's not like when you watch a basketball game, you're too high, you're, yeah. you have no idea what's happening. But that level, to see the players on that level coming at the goal is unbelievable. Right. So. Just in that sense, that unique experience. Don't, don't I think just makes it show up to the game is the main thing. There, there are unique things that you can do. There's pregame activities. There's postgame. I'm sure. You know, yeah. make make it a day. Don't make send them in the supporter. If you're trying to get business done, don't send the supporter Support section. section. How yeah. does that sound? Is that a good? <laughs> is that a good tip? Don't send the supporter section if you're trying to get a deal done. It, it depends on in my opinion. Like I actually have two tickets, and you know, and I've got a son, so, so usually I bring him. But if not, I have used them for business purposes. Right. I got second level front row, and I think they're the best seats in the entire stadium. Yeah, yeah. and you can that's see where we the have action. for the Falcons. You're, yeah, we are fifty yard line mezzanine front row. It's the best seats because you can see the full field. Yeah, and yeah. nobody's for in front field of that you. big. Yeah. I can stand that. up, I can sit, I can do whatever I want, and uh, and I'm also right above the supporter section, so I can sit there. Cool. And point like, look, 
like that, you know, and like I know the capos, you know, so I can give them that entire uh, like background and all yeah, of that. That brings or, passion. Yeah, and and so I, I think it just depends on you know I'll know, okay, if, if I need to be very casual or very uh, you know formal or whatever based on the person, but I think tailoring that experience and and you have that in sports, right? You can go for the you know the high pricey sweets, yeah. the high pricey, or you can send the sports section have beer thrown on you. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I think but that's where it's it's very unique in, in how you want to do it. Tailor the experience. I mean, I think that's the based key on the client. Don't, don't bring client don't, don't bring someone who's bummed yeah. up to the supporter <laughs> section to get beer poured on them, and All don't right. bring someone who's willing to party down to the you know the stuffy section. Exactly. So. All right. So we'll dive in a little bit more in the last section, and you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Point Three. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino and Trip Job here with Matt Stegall. Uh, and we're going to finish our conversation about soccer and the United. And we're going to finish it with what's most important, and that's the World Cup coming to the U.S. Um, and more importantly, the World Cup coming to Atlanta. And be be before the break, Matt and I were talking. And just to give some context of how important this is, not only were we selected as one of the cities, um, but Matt, talk about a little bit more about just how important Atlanta is to this World Cup. Yeah, and there's no doubt that, you know, over the past 20 years or so, Atlanta has become a global city. And, you know, whether it's the airport, whether it's our, you know, our, our sports brands, the Fortune 500 companies, whatever it is, uh, Atlanta has put itself on the world map. Uh, to be a major city, and um, you know, and that's that's kind of what the Olympics kind of changed the city to, to to help us achieve. And yeah, when when it comes to the 2026 World Cup, Atlanta will be one of the premier cities hosting the World Cup. And uh, I think it's such an opportunity to put Atlanta on that scale again. Welcome all the visitors from the world. <laughs> the majority of them will be coming through our airport at some point. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be great. It's such a great economic and cultural opportunity for the city. Yeah, and just as someone who's only lived here now for you know eight or so years, I mean, how much Atlanta has changed since 1996 is is insane. Oh yeah, is yep. insane. How much Atlanta has changed since 2006 is insane. How much Atlanta has changed since 2016 is insane. So I think that international stage, if ever there was a time, how Atlanta has penetrated pop culture and made its way. If you're a movie or a music, you're coming out of Atlanta right now. It is. You could say it is the pop culture hub of the United States right now, right? And I'm not taking anything away from L.A. or New York or any of those places. I'm just saying for whatever reason, and, and let's be clear, Kemp decided not to shut down during COVID, and some of those things were what helped. The cost of living is what helps. Uh, but I think when the world comes to see Atlanta, the world will leave thinking a lot differently than they did in 1996. Yep. Uh, you know, I travel a lot internationally. Uh, I believe that when people come after this World Cup, when you go internationally and you say Atlanta, people are gonna know what you're talking about. Yep. Right now, no one has a clue what you're talking about. If you're not New York, LA, maybe Miami, no one has a clue what you're talking about. Or Vegas, let's just be yeah. honest. Yep. Uh, no one knows what you're talking about. So I think I think Atlanta's ready for it. I'm excited for it. Let's dive a little deeper. So, you know, important city, what does that mean? Does that mean media hubs? Does that mean they're gonna have, FIFA's gonna have infrastructure here? Uh, what do you foresee happening? And, and what do you see Atlanta fans being able to be a part of? One of the big things, and this happened for Super Bowl, just because the World Cup or Super Bowl is coming here doesn't mean casual fans get to be a part of it. They're priced out of it. It's corporate America. Um, talk about what you think a little that would look like for Atlanta and Atlantans. So I, I think what's really unique about the World Cup is, you know, we're going to be welcoming people from all over the world here. And I, I see the opportunity for, you know, if, even if you don't get to go to a game, you're going to be able, I mean, we're going to have like the Netherlands or some other country, they're like fan HQ here. 
And, uh, you know, and that's all because of our biggest asset is the airport. And, uh, you know, we also have all the hotels and all that infrastructure supported too. But the airport is definitely going to be the gateway that people coming not just to the city, but to America, to America, um, they'll, they'll at least be coming in through our airport and probably stay in a night or two here. Or if we have one of those fan HQs, uh, you know, and th- this is why I think people don't realize how big the World Cup is. It's going to last a month. And, you know, so we, we might, it's not a two-week thing. It's not a one-week thing. There'll be people who are coming to the States or coming to Atlanta that will be here for four to five weeks. And uh, the economic opportunity of that is just insane. Yeah, I know. I know for us alone. I mean, it's one of those things we look forward to because we are. Look, sports has a very high barrier to entry. Uh, our involvement in those activities, the sports, and the World Cup and the Super Bowl create a tremendous revenue opportunity just for us. So we are planning now. Um, you know, we've done United Atlanta United tailgates before, and the goal was always when the Gulch went down, which was talked about for years now finally starting to happen then we have a centrally located place we're doing those things to get ready for the world cup to make sure that soccer fans know because one you know i i believe that the crossover between soccer and something like college football is much less than people think it is which means there's opportunity to convert them right because if you actually compare the two closest things i've ever seen are soccer and college football to just the diehard fan bases the complete body paint to that stuff those are the two closest fan bases so if i can convert some soccer fans young soccer fans into college football fans via my station i've done my job as my evangelist in sports so um we're excited about that um but you know for us it's going to be like what you talked about what can you do ancillarily if that's a word to capitalize on it outside the game right is it international maybe it's you, you hq you talk about it maybe the german restaurant downtown the beer garden has a spot for german like introduce these different cultures and all that stuff you know i i, I that that is what i am most excited about i'm excited to see which communities react because you could also imagine midtown is one hub and west the side and east atlanta and the bat the battery yeah the battery will be, will be hq right for like so imagine if the japanese team or i mean any country pick a pick a country out of the hat and their hq is at the battery you're going to have thousands of their fans and their media and their big wigs and everyone literally here for weeks. And I think it also is going to show what an international city this is. And I don't think it's understood. And look, I'm a Yankee, and as a New Yorker, you don't think anything exists outside of New York. But you get down here, man, there's something in every single corner. I mean, the Ethiopian population alone is gigantic. If you drive down 85, that gigantic church when you're past the Pleasant Hills, a Vietnamese church, the, the populations are massive. So it's going to get a chance to show how big of an international city this is, and I think break a lot of preconceived notions also. And, and soccer does that more uniquely than anything else. Uh, as far as bringing people together, no matter their background, nationality, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, I love it. So we got three minutes left. So let's finish with this. How's the United going to do this year? What do they have to do to compete again? Because uh, I missed those playoff games. I missed that run. I think the city needs it. And I think one of the problems with Atlanta sports fans is they, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, had the United been winning, they would have been 80,000 people at that stadium for opening day, not 63,000. So I don't want to see those numbers dwindle. What do we got coming on for the season? What do we got to do to win? I mean, I, I think you've got the core there uh you know like i said there's a lot of turnover so every every year is going to be kind of a roll of the dice if we can skip the injury bug this year last year we were absolutely decimated by it and you know not just losing the talent on the field but when your keeper captain gets hurt and you're you know american defender who's going to be on the world cup team and start for the team also gets hurt for the season that is quite the blow you know joseph wasn't never back so it, we just never clicked last year. Yeah. So if we have the pieces this year, uh, you know, that if, if you have that chemistry and you see it click, uh, you know, there, there's so much parity in MLS. There, there's, there, again, there's that hope. We talked about it earlier. 
Uh, and hopefully, uh, yeah, they, we're able to the, – the, the margins are so fine that to have a successful season is definitely there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I have a question for you. Shoot. I think that one of the things that makes soccer and college football so parallel is that supporter section. Yeah. And the Hawks have a little tiny one. Yeah. I've I was actually there wondered. on – I was there on – Sunday, it's a it's a section, but you can tell it there. They were probably given tickets to to yeah. to be a to be a support section, like right. the you know the um, the uh, the Hawks always up there. He's always with them, like so. You know what I mean? It's like kind it's kind of a marketing. It's, it's kind of gimmicky, but imagine having that supporter section for a baseball game. Yeah, how awesome would that be? You got one section in the outfield, and you have the people there. They're they're ha- drinking their drinks. They're having a good time. That you know, like I've always wanted that in baseball because it's kind of like soccer too, where it's like well, slow during if, some if parts. Ever, and all if of that. ever there is a time, it is right now. So just for some context, I believe these games will be done in under two hours and fifteen minutes. A lot oh, of them because yeah. the pitch clock has sped this up so much. That's beautiful. So if ever there is a time, baseball's hardest thing is appeasing the old time fans that that want the sanctity of the game with blending with new fans that want it. Now, the Braves have done a better job than anybody in baseball. Yep. If you look at that stadium, it is so young. Um, but I think if ever there's a time for it to happen, it's now. I think it has to be done delicately because you're going to still have people in the upper deck that are 90 years old that are keeping score on their old-timey thing, throwing peanuts on the floor. Um, not saying that I've been one of them at times, but I've done it. Um, <laughs> but I think that's going to be a problem. And you know, I think that's a great way to end this is the, the, that cr- the crossway between different sports and, and marketing. And that's what we talk about here on the Marketing Mad Men. Um, so you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men. Do you enjoy this episode, please like, subscribe for future episodes. Thank you to Matt Stigal, uh, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.